I'm delighted to welcome a new supporting sponsor to the local government news roundup family. It's Ventio, a leading essential infrastructure services provider, redefining service excellence for communities across Australia and New Zealand. Ventio is operating at over 400 sites and with a large and diverse workforce of over 35,000. They specialise in the long-term operation, maintenance and management of critical public and private assets and infrastructure across a broad range of industry segments, including defence and social infrastructure, infrastructure services, telecommunications and transport. For local government, Ventia specialises in the end-to-end delivery of open space management, soft and hard facilities management, street cleansing, minor capital works and much more. Ventia brings capability in whole-of-life asset management and robust use of data for better decision-making for their clients. Ventia, making infrastructure work sustainably for our communities. Head to ventia.com to find out more. Hello, it's time for the Local Government News Roundup. I'm Chris Eddy and on the podcast today, an historic joint meeting of three councils paves the way for a new city in Melbourne's north. A mayor to take a leave of absence to run for the state seat of Mulgrave. A council considers closing its childcare centres. Another Victorian councillor resigns. A call for gender affirmation leave for council staff attracts opposition. The New South Wales Shire Council looking at a rate variation to deal with a predicted $100 million deficit. A Queensland council pushes back on an unrealistic state government plan. And a team of commissioners appointed to the UK's troubled Birmingham City Council. Just some of the many local government stories getting our attention today. It's time to round them up. Thanks so much for joining me for the podcast wherever you're listening around Australia or across the world. I want to take a moment to thank our terrific sponsors. Our foundation sponsor, the Victorian Local Governance Association, the national broadcaster on all things local government, and Solve in the business of keeping shared spaces safe, clean and great to be in. Starting, as we always do, with the Victorian Roundup, Hume City Council, the City of Whittlesey and Mitchellshire Councils have co-signed an historic regional partnership at a joint council meeting, committing to collaboration on the planning and delivery of the new proposed City of Cloverton. Cloverton will service a wide regional catchment covering the three council areas and will be the primary employment and service centre for the growing suburbs of Mickleham, Calcallo, Donnybrook, Beveridge and Wallace. Estimated at 380,000 residents and 50,000 jobs when it is complete. The council partnership has been created to work together to ensure that Cloverton, which straddles the three council boundaries, will be effectively developed as a new city for the north of Melbourne. Representatives from each of the three councils this week came together in a joint council meeting to endorse the vision and principles of how the partnership will continue to work together to make Cloverton a reality. It's been a big week for the North, with the leaders of seven Northern Councils also coming together to launch a community EV transition plan. It's the third element of a comprehensive evidence-based strategy for a better connected North, along with the Northern Region Transport Strategy and the Northern Region Bus Study. 
From the north to the southeast, and the Mayor of Greater Dandenong, Eden Foster, has been confirmed as the Labour Party candidate for former Premier Daniel Andrews' state seat of Mulgrave. Councillor Foster has announced that she'll take a leave of absence from her role as Mayor and Councillor to focus on the campaign for the by-election, the date for which is yet to be announced. The Dandenong Star-Journal reports that Councillor Foster may have competition from one of her council colleagues. Councillor Rhonda Garad is believed to be contesting pre-selection to be the Greens candidate. Ian Cook, the owner of iCook Foods, is also believed to be recontesting as an independent after finishing second to Daniel Andrews on primary votes at last year's state election. Now let's head north and Moira Shire Council is calling for the withdrawal of a proposed federal water bill that will see water buybacks create devastating impacts on regional communities. The Council's panel of administrators is advocating for a revised plan to include fair treatment of water accessibility for users and the environment. Chair Administrator John Tanner said the Council does not want to see a repeat of what happened 15 years ago when buybacks led to loss of production and jobs. Moira and the Murray River Group of Councils are inviting Senate crossbenchers to visit regions along the river ahead of a planned vote in Parliament on the 8th of November. Glen Ira City Council has made a preliminary decision to close its three small early learning centres in Caulfield, Carnegie and Murrumbina. The decision comes as a result of the significant increase in childcare places in the city and slowing demand for the council centres. Mayor Jim McGee said the older council centres do not meet contemporary building and service standards and operate at a significant financial loss of at least $570,000 each year. If the council proceeds with the closures, the centres will likely close by the end of the year. Down into the southwest now on this little trip around the state of Victoria, Surf Coast Shire Council has decided not to proceed with a land sale after receiving 76 objections and a petition with 782 signatures in opposition to the proposal. The sale of land and a road discontinuance was originally proposed on the condition of providing housing for older people or people with a disability. Councillor Rose Hodge noted the high level of community interest in the matter and said the decision not to proceed was based on a desire to preserve public open space. She said the developer would now need to rethink their design. The state government has extended the current e-scooter trial for a further six months to see it through the summer period and to collect a comprehensive data set to inform the future of the program in the state. It says more than one million people signed up to hire e-scooters in Victoria during the trial to date, which has been particularly successful over the winter months. The Department of Transport and Planning is developing a guide for councils on how to manage e-scooter share schemes, including parking management and operator insurance requirements. Here are some Victorian news briefs. At Macedon Rangers Shire this week, first-term councillor Anne Moore has resigned for health and family reasons. Her resignation is effective immediately. An announcement of a process to fill the vacancy is pending. Wyndham City Council is seeking feedback on its new draft gambling harm prevention policy statement. It aims to prevent harm from gambling through a public health approach. Wyndham residents lost over $124.9 million through electronic gaming machines in the last financial year alone. And the council is concerned about the growth of sports betting and internet gambling and the impacts on the community. And 13 councils have been funded for projects under the third round of the government's Circular Economy Councils Fund. 
Funded projects include the Yarra Rangers Shire establishing a textiles collection program, a trailer with reusable crockery to help reduce single-use items at community events on the Mornington Peninsula, and delivering a mobile mulch maker in Murrindindi. The funding will also see reuse shops being established at a number of locations around the state, including Cobram, Newmerka, Myrtleford, Romsey and Kyneton. Just before we head to the National Roundup, here's a Councils in the Media Spotlight. The Age today talks to the Mayor of Whitehorse City Council about the frustration when planning permits are repeatedly issued for sites, but no development occurs. Mark Lane provides the example of one lot that has been vacant for over 15 years, despite having multiple permits and extensions issued. While he and other Melbourne councils have welcomed the state government's expansion of the vacant residential land tax, the property sector says it probably won't do much to deliver additional projects because of broader market conditions. Marybeck Mayor Angelica Panopoulos also features in the article, saying housing supply is sitting at the economic mercy of market forces and developers, rather than in the hands of council planners. Check out that story today in The Age. You're listening to the Local Government News Roundup with Chris Eddy. Now for a selection of articles from around the country, firstly in New South Wales, where a Sydney council has endorsed a motion for the annual state conference in support of paid leave for employees undergoing gender affirmation procedures. The motion was brought forward by Councillor Liz Atkins and received the unanimous support of the council, but the proposal has attracted opposition from some mayors and councillors at other Sydney councils who have ridiculed the idea in a report from the Daily Telegraph, setting up what could be a contentious debate at the upcoming conference. In Orange, the City Council there has voted to demolish a $1.6 million street beautification project, which it says had detrimental effects on local businesses. Business owners have welcomed the decision to remove the Lord's Place South redevelopment and reinstate car parking less than a year after the street beautification project was installed. The council says it was always meant to be a trial, and despite positive results, the effect on businesses could not be ignored. According to ABC News, some councillors are disappointed with the decision, believing the project could still have worked with better consultation and compromise. Kempsey Shire Council has advised its community that it expects its deficit to grow to $103 million over the next 10 years. It says the cost of materials, wages and maintaining a $1.5 billion asset base has increased far more than the income it can generate. The council warns the position is not viable and it is investigating whether a special rate variation will be required. It is seeking community views before determining a way forward at its meeting in November. Lismore City Council has announced the launch of the Back Lismore campaign in response to the community's desire to shift the narrative from being known as a flood city to being seen as open. The campaign aims to reignite excitement and pride in the region and invites everyone who lives, works, visits or plays in Lismore to support local businesses, attractions, events and the vibrant community. The initiative is designed to showcase the progress made in the recovery journey and highlight the unity that has been the backbone of the community. Mayor Steve Creek has emphasised the strength of the Lismore spirit and called for a celebration of the unity, pride and vibrancy of the community. 
And in a first for Cumberland Council, a green prototype car park has been developed to transform a hot asphalt car park into a cool, cost-efficient and sustainable car space. The urban design uses a trellis system for fast-growing vines, which will take around 12 months to grow and provide shade for 31 car spaces. Mayor Lisa Lake said the council hopes to combat the challenges of urban heating and revolutionise the way cities approach parking infrastructure. And the prestigious New South Wales Minister's Awards for Women in Local Government have been handed out, recognising the invaluable contribution and achievements of women in the sector. Recipients included Councillor Judy Hannan, MP of Wallandilly Shire, and Councillor Sarah Nadaye of Byron Shire. Inner West Council and Armidale Regional Councils won the Employment Diversity Awards, and Councillor Daria Turley from Broken Hill City Council was honoured with the Councillor Lillian Brady OAM Award. A record number of nominations were received for the awards, which are in their 16th year. To Tasmania, where Clarence City Council will vote on Monday night on whether to test community support for a proposal for an AFL High Performance Centre on dual sites in the municipality. The facility, estimated at 60 to $70 million, could be built across a disused golf course and parklands, according to a report from the Hobart Mercury. The council is said to be looking at the dual sites model at the request of the state government. Mayor Brendan Blomley is a supporter of the social and economic benefits for the city, but expects robust discussions on Monday night around the council table. If the council supports the recommendation, the CEO would undertake consultation to ascertain community appetite for an AFL high-performance centre in the city. A state government plan for the future growth of southeast Queensland has been described as unrealistic by Noosa Mayor Claire Stewart. The plan targets population growth of an additional 19,000 people in Noosa by 2046, with more than 11,000 to be accommodated by 2026. The Council is concerned that the plan doesn't provide for state-funded infrastructure to support the growth and that it puts Noosa's iconic values at risk. The Council says a majority of its residents are against population growth and the proposed eight-storey buildings, and it's making a stand on behalf of its community by opposing the draft plan. It has finalised an 18-page submission to the draft plan outlining its concerns to the state government. Across to Western Australia now, and the City of Nedlands may become the second WA Council to introduce superannuation payments for elected members. The Council voted narrowly in favour of a motion to prepare a report on the implications of the move, which is expected to come before the Council in November. Councillor Kerry Smythe argued that the change would encourage diversity in those able to take up the role of councillor and pointed to an expected 50% increase in workload for councillors with a forthcoming reduction in the number of elected members. Earlier this year, the City of Stirling was the first WA Council to resolve to become an eligible governing body, which enables the Council to make compulsory superannuation payments for councillors on top of their allowance. The second tranche of reforms to the local government legislation in Western Australia is expected to include changes to superannuation measures for all councils in the state. City of Nedlands administration estimates the additional cost of introducing compulsory superannuation now to be in the order of $35,000.
And Coburn City Council's new CEO has arrived just in time for the city to host a major international conference next week. Daniel Sims has taken up the role after more than two decades at the city of Wanneroo. He'll hit the ground running, hosting representatives from across Southeast Asia at next week's Coburn Global Conference, which will build on the city's Indonesia-focused digital forum last year, with an expanded scope to include the key export markets of Singapore and Vietnam. Coburn already generates nearly $6 billion in domestic and international exports. And Mr Sim says it has the infrastructure, innovation and assets to grow that figure significantly. Some CEO news heading the national briefs. Cooper PD District Council in South Australia is looking for a new Chief Executive Officer. David Kelly has resigned the position and will finish up on the 17th of November. MacArthur is handling the recruitment with applications to close on the 23rd of October. Queensland's Oricoon Shire Council has also gone to market again for a CEO. Applications have been called through MacArthur and they also close on the 23rd of October. Tasmania's Latrobe Council is looking to capitalise on an investment boom in its CBD. Mayor Peter Freshney has told the Bernie Advocate that the council's flood mitigation project had changed perceptions about the town. With new businesses opening up and visitation on the increase, the council is about to commission a review of the CBD with a view to revitalising and expanding its shopping precinct. And Ipswich City Council has announced some of the biggest names in country music will headline next year's CMC Rocks Queensland event to be held in March. Nashville headliners Lainey Wilson, Tyler Hubbard and Chris Young are confirmed for the event in its 17th year. Acting Mayor Russell Milligan said the lineup reflects Ipswich's reputation as the home of country music and CMC Rocks Queensland. Now on the Local Government News Roundup, it's time for the International Spotlight. Now, I know some of you hang out for your fix of UK council news, and I've got a bit for you today. The UK Secretary of State for Leveling Up Housing and Communities, Michael Gove, has appointed six commissioners and two political advisers to Birmingham City Council this week as part of a package of interventions following that council's declaration of effective bankruptcy. Max Caller, CBE, has been appointed as the lead commissioner. The commissioners are responsible for all functions associated with with the governance and scrutiny of strategic decision-making of the authority, including financial governance, the appointment and dismissal of statutory officers and the performance management of senior officers, and the redesign of services to achieve value for money and financial sustainability. The intervention will be in place for five years, which is longer than usual and reflects the severity and size of the challenges at Birmingham. Mr Gove considers that most decisions would still be made by the authority with oversight from the commissioners. An explanatory memorandum has also been issued to provide context for the directions. It makes a number of wide-ranging observations about governance and cultural issues of the Council that need addressing, including a reference to an internal report by the Labor Party that found a dysfunctional climate amongst members. It also notes extremely high levels of churn of senior staff at the Council. In the eight years prior to 2022, there had been nine chief executives and nine directors of children's services.
Now, of course, Birmingham's not the only council in the UK under some form of intervention. And the Secretary of State has this week also appointed the CEO of Essex County Council, Gavin Jones, as the lead commissioner at Thurrock Council. He will effectively assume the role from Essex Council, which has acted as commissioner at the bankrupt Thurrock Council since last year. Mr Jones has been appointed through September 2025 and will simultaneously continue his employment as an officer at Essex. In Newcastle, the council leader Nick Kemp has responded to allegations of bullying within the council. He said the council has a robust complaints process and that any allegations will be investigated. He also said the council has a positive working relationship between its cabinet and top council officers. However, according to a report from Chronicle Live, the Lib Dem opposition leader Colin Ferguson has suggested the council is whitewashing the allegations and that there's a toxic culture at the Civic Centre. He's called for an independent inquiry into the allegations. The council's audit committee has also questioned the culture at the council, saying that breakdowns in key relationships are a common factor among local authorities that have fallen into serious financial trouble. The council is currently considering proposals to merge its audit committee with its standards committee. And Mark Lloyd, the chief executive of the UK's local government association, has left the organisation after eight years in the role. He joined the LGA in 2015 after a decade as chief executive of two councils. In announcing his immediate departure on Friday, he said it was time to catch his breath after an intense period working on some of the biggest challenges the sector has ever faced. Deputy Chief Executive Sarah Pickup will be acting CEO from today. Let's leave the UK now, but we'll stay in the Commonwealth and head to Canada, where Vancouver's Municipal Integrity Commissioner has ruled that a councillor did not violate the city's code of conduct when she disclosed her vote against a city decision to stop being a living wage employer. CBC reports that the Mayor of Vancouver, Ken Sim, had filed a complaint against fellow councillor Christine Boyle in what was the first use of the code. The decision was made in a private council meeting and later made public by the city. Councillor Boyle argued that the city's communication plan allowed her to state her vote and Commissioner Lisa Southern agreed. The councillor expressed relief at winning the case but disappointment at the cost of the formal investigation. The mayor plans to work with the council to establish a clear policy for in-camera meetings. While many municipalities in British Columbia have implemented codes of conduct, Vancouver is one of just two to have an independent ethics or integrity commissioner. Across the other side of Canada now, where a council has removed two of its members from committee duties and rescinded their appointments to different bodies, pending an investigation into alleged behaviour. The two councillors at St John Council in New Brunswick province, on the Bay of Fundy, say they're in shock at the action taken by their colleagues. Joanna Killen and Brent Harris say they're being targeted because of their support for striking city workers. Mayor Donna Reardon said the action was out of concern for the risk posed as a result of the council members' behaviour and that privileges bestowed on the councillors by the council have been lifted pending the outcome of a code of conduct investigation. Local radio station CHSJ reports that the two councillors have been outspoken in recent weeks about ongoing negotiations with striking workers, including having visited the union's strike headquarters. And finally to New Zealand, where a council has put lockdown procedures in place for its buildings out of concern for the safety of its staff from a rise in anti-government sentiment and the sovereign citizen movement. 
Stuff.co.nz reports that Tasman District Council has hired emergency management specialists to review the security of its offices and libraries and developed lockdown protocols for each building. In a report to the Council's Audit Committee, concerns were raised about 21 incidents of aggressive, abusive or intimidating behaviour in the last year alone, including death threats towards staff, threatening signs and refusing to pay for Council services. And so we reach the finish line for another Local Government News Roundup, brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association, with support from Snapsend Solve. That's been the episode for the 7th of October 2023, and you can find the links to the stories referenced in the episode, along with full transcript, at lgnewsroundup.com. While you're there, that's where you'll find breaking news updates that we publish between our regular twice-weekly episodes, and you can learn how to support the Roundup by becoming a subscriber through a small monthly contribution, which of course you can cancel at any time. Our podcast is recorded in the city of Greater Geelong, Victoria, on the land of the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. This is Chris Eddy. You've been listening to the Local Government News Roundup. Our next episode comes your way on Wednesday. Until then, thanks for listening and bye for now. Local Government News Roundup is proudly supported by Davidson. For 30 years, Davidson has been strengthening the local government sector by identifying and providing the people, expertise and experience that local government needs to enhance its capability, productivity and performance. Davidson is nationally recognised for its executive recruitment services and over the past four years has built a business advisory practice rapidly evolving into one of the nation's foremost and trusted local government business consultancy firms. The Davidson methodology and approach is simple. Thinking beyond now and aiming to be a valued partner with your local government, not just for the immediate project, but for the next 30 years. Speak to Justin Hanney or Seamus Scanlon to find out more or head to davidsonwp.com.au. Davidson, your future, your partner.